what's going on what's up what's up what up uh went all boston accent there at the end there but welcome back to another episode of teeing it up with c and v uh i'm here as always another week another great episode another plethora of sports to talk about both local and national um not so much international uh world cup season's over um anyways uh it looks like they let you out of prison your normal prison cell good behavior <laughs> I can't. So I was actually going to bring something like that up. I was going to give Aaron a nice little shout out. Aaron, if you're still listening, I made it out of the prison cell. Um, I'm in a room that has decorations. I'm in a room that can see more than just the bland um, kind of gray background that my room is painted at home. I'm I'm calling in from a hotel in Aberdeen, Maryland. Um, I'm on, in the middle of a work trip. Um, it's been it's been going pretty good. Um we, su- we succeeded in getting our first day of testing. Uh, today we ran some issues, but we kind of, we, we mitigated those and we're on track to test again tomorrow. So um, I'm doing pretty well. It's first professional work trip. Um, really excited to uh, see something new, a lot of hands-on stuff. So I- I'm doing well. What about you? How, how have you been? Doing good. I actually just read a case about mitigating damages and the duty that you have as a non-breaching party or to mitigate damages from a contract breach. But anyways, that's how I'm doing. A lot of reading, school grind, the huge. Uh, it's exciting to see you on the road. Um, exciting to see what good behavior can get you out of uh, jail. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I got before we uh, kind of hop into it. Um, where do you want to start? Let's start with uh, MSU basketball. Ooh, uh, we started last show with it. Uh, they've played twice um since we last talked kind of the same in between of this team just kind of going back and forth and showing glimpses of you know maybe a team that can make it out of the first weekend of the tournament and then a team that you know maybe doesn't belong in the tournament uh they sit at 13 and 7 last thursday they beat had a nice one against Rutgers at home back yep. and forth game they were actually down most of the first half uh, and then find the found a way in the last seven minutes to kind of pull away uh, when that came by d- double digits um, anything specifically about the Rutgers game you wanted to talk about? No, it was kind of just that uh, stereotypical, um, as we've said Rock before, uh, I was going to say that stereotypical, uh, the team will go as far as the guards go. Um, Hogard and Walker had great games, um, right. 16 points and 12 points respectively. Um, Hogard, seven assists. Um, I'm, I don't remember what the turnover numbers were, but uh, I think he kind of continued that uh, that good stretch of limiting those. And you know, uh, it was it was a good it was a good win. Um, like you said, they they did play it they they did play it pretty close until pulling away at the end. Um, but it was a ranked win at Rutgers. I'm assuming that goes into quad one. Um, that's always great because uh, March Madness is incredibly analytics based, and they look at those numbers in, incredibly heavily. So. I mean, could win. I, I don't really know what else to say. I don't really think Rutgers is some great team. I mean, they've got the same record as we do, um, if not maybe one less loss. So I don't really think that it's something you write home about. It's one of those where you say if you want to be considered a good team, if you want to be considered a team that gets out of the first weekend, like you just said, you've got to have it. They did. And so um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk about the game before we get on to the, kind of maybe the, the bigger talking point of the, the last week for Michigan State. Yeah, no, it's uh... – it was a good win to get back on track after the Purdue loss. Um, like you said, Rutgers is one of those teams where um, they were ranked at last week, but it's another one of those teams that's going to have, you know, 
seven to 11 losses is looking at probably being anywhere from a, a six to a 12 seed or six to 11 seed. Sorry. Um, and that's a solid team, but is it a good team? No. And that's kind of what the big Ten is full of this year. Um, so I guess the more you win, the better you need those because like, like I said, as, as poor as I thought Iowa was this year and you have them on Thursday, like that's no gimme. It's a home game, but like, they're also the same record as you. So you just have to, you have to win it and stockpile those when you can. Um, yeah. So moving forward into Sunday's loss, um, they lost to Indiana at Indiana. It felt like kind of an emotional game, a lot of back and forth drawing. Um, Trice, Trace, Dave Jackson, is it Jackson? I can never say his full name. Trace, Trace Jackson, Jackson Davis. Davis. Yes. Yeah. He went for 30 on us. He looked great. Um, man, is he like cocky and unlikable, but also he is a great athlete. Um, he's big and can move around. Didn't really see him take jump shots, um, but we struggled a lot. And it wasn't just the 30, like Edie just dunking over us from being 7,000 feet tall. Uh, this was him, you know, making moves in the post, hitting mid-range shots. Whenever we try to double him, he has the awareness to kind of kick out to a guy. And they got some guys that can shoot the ball. I know this Kate's guy, I believe, went five for six from three. Um, and it was a game that Michigan State kind of the opposite of the Rutgers game. They led most of the first half, uh, mostly because Joey Hauser was kind of just hitting shots off his from everywhere. He was hitting fadeaways, contested threes off the dribble. He was hitting everything. Um, and then both guards had really bad games. I know Tyson Walker was sick. Uh, they said he had the flu, was playing through flu-like symptoms. Flu game. Flu game. It wasn't necessarily that. He had an okay game. Uh, Hogard was horrible. Uh, I want to say he had five points and they were off from the free throw line. Uh, he was awful and was in foul trouble most of that game. Um, yeah. And like you said, it was a typical, like the guards have a bad game. We have a bad game. Uh, it just felt like in the first half, we were able to kind of keep up with them offensively. Um, and then we just had no answer. Every time we tried to double Jackson, he found a way to kick it out and they made shots. I'll tell you what, they impressed me. I know it's easy to say when you lose by like 13 or whatever we did and you only lost by one to Purdue, uh, but they impressed me a lot more than Purdue. I think they have a lot more um, around their star big. I think Dave Jackson Davis is probably a, a better chance of being an NBA player. I know he's a four year guy, um, but that's a guy I could see getting drafted in the end of the first round and early in the second round personally. Mm-hmm. Um I also, like I said, I just think they have way more around him and they were, it seemed like they weren't healthy. It seemed like he had been missing time. Other guys had been missing time. Um, and after that kind of uh, disappointing start, after they were whatever, ninth or 10th to start the season, um, they have won, I believe, four in a row now. It gets all like they killed Illinois, they killed us. Uh, I think they're starting to look like the team that people thought they were. Yeah. Um, so, I, I didn't get to watch this game. I was on the plane flying to Maryland. Um, but I guess what I would say about Indiana is you're right. They are starting to kind of look like that. I don't know if they were preseason top 10 or what their preseason ranking was, but they were they were going through a very rough patch. I think part of that was due to they had a player who was injured. It might have even been Jackson Davis. And then they had another guy who I know has kind of come on a lot in if it was Jackson Davis's absence. Um, I don't remember the names. Um, I apologize to those listening, but I am not well versed in Indiana basketball. I, I I watch when I can because Michigan State's playing them. But 
that they have kind of rounded into some late season form. Um, they do look like a scary team. Um, I don't know. They're I, starting I, off zero and three in the Big Ten too. I mean, all uh, again, all I can really say is I, I I'm a box score watching. I didn't get to watch the actual game, but uh, it's a good team. Uh, we are. We did say uh, last week. Michigan State through their next four games in January has to go two and two at worst if they want a good shot for the, the NCAA title. They're on the or title for the tournament. They're on that track. They they won the game they probably should have won, and they probably lost the game they should have lost in Assembly Hall. Not a not a not a fun place to play. Not an easy place to play. And yeah, we we shift our focus to Thursday. Um, gives us a kind of pretty pretty big game. Uh, like you said, similar record. It's the Big Ten. I feel like outside, like you said last week, outside of Minnesota, anybody can really beat anyone on a given day. And go get that win and then prepare to possibly steal one in Mackey Arena in, in depth for Purdue. But I don't really have much. Actually, I do. Uh, I did see something today. Um, some of the MSU basketball beat writers were saying that Izzo talked about how Malik Hall is possibly close to returning to practice. Yes. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that I know we talked about it last week that he was pretty much out for the year. And I want to say I saw something like the next day that was like, oh, it's not as bad as we thought. It's only gonna be like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, so, that would be that'd be good, good for us. I, I would yeah. support I would support two weeks over the season. Um hopefully he can get on the court. I mean, you're 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 probably not gonna have him next couple games, but if you can get him back for middle of February, kind of have him for that end of the season, big ten push get him back into game shape for maybe the last couple games of the regular season and the postseason tournament, and then see if you can build something for a, for a first weekend uh, continuation. I mean, I'm tired of first weekend exits. I really am. Uh, I would like to play in a, I would like to play in a sweet 16 again. We've done that once since 2015 and that's just unacceptable for Michigan state. I know we've talked about this over the months and years, um, with differing opinions on what that really means and why that is. But I'm just going to let it say, if you're going to be Michigan state and you're going to sit there and pretend like you sit at the table with the big boys, you can't have one sweet 16 and beyond appearance in eight years. It's unacceptable. Right. So oh, I understand 2020. I get it. We were the best team. We would have won. We would have won. Well, guess what? The only times we would have won if we, if we played that game, Michigan state probably had four national titles right now. So I, I don't like using that, um, but we got to see it happen. Uh, that's, I guess, really all I have to say on Michigan State. Yeah, it's and it's another thing for me. I said it last week, like two performances where it's, you're bullish that I think this team, um, because of the guard play, because they shoot, even without Gabe Brown this year, I think they shoot it way better as a team, that they have a better chance to make it out of the first year. But again, it's like they're not consistent enough yet, and they're not crazy talented enough to – be anything more than I think they're probably a six seed at best. Mm-hmm. Probably going to be in the six to 10 range, I think six to I nine agree. range. Um, And uh, one more thing, Jackson Cooler looks, uh, it was great in both of these two games. I think he had 12 against Rutgers and was one of the reasons they won. And then yeah. I want to say he went for seven against uh um, Indiana. So two good games providing a little bit of a post presence offensively. Uh, I think Sissoko is clumsy and, you know, palm of your fist face palm. Yeah. He does throughout the game. He is physical enough that like he does provide you with some 
defense, that guarding bigs that you do need, and he still needs to stay in kind of the rotation significantly and play a significant role in that. Also, because our other two bigs are freshmen. Um, but Kohler, these last few games, looks like he's going to be able to provide some offense down low, which is something that they've kind of been lacking this year. Uh, I agree. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, the Sissoko's kind of regressed from that very early season form. We had a couple of really good games to start. We were like, well, was this the guy that we were promised? Uh, was this the quote-unquote better than Hunter Dickinson that we all thought coming out of school? So it's it's good to see, um, like you said, Kohler breakout game against Rutgers. Hopefully they can keep it going, and I guess all eyes will be on the TV screen on Thursday. Um, do, we, do we want to move on from basketball? Anything else that you want to wrap it up with? Yeah, let's talk it to the sport that uh, I think everyone wants to talk about, sport that has everyone uh, by, like, hair. Like, like it's like Roger Goodell has every single American's, like, piece of hair. It, that's not a good analogy. You know what I mean. Let's I was trying to think football. of a clean let's stop, way. Let's stop trying to describe what football is. Let's just talk about it. Yeah, I was trying to think of a clean analogy for it. But anyways, <laughs> uh, another good weekend of football. I will say – Ooh, I disagree. Uh, uh, I, I don't think this was. You didn't, let, you didn't let me. You didn't let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was gonna say. I will say this was not nearly as good of games as last week. Um, there really was only one good game. Maybe Chiefs. One. Chiefs. Jacksonville was no. competitive. Um, one good. One good game, in my opinion. You don't and think even that, that if the Jaguars don't fumble, that like that's a tie game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but I guess that entire game was kind of Chiefs holding their own. Like, I guess maybe maybe I'm trying to be pessimistic here. I just feel like a good game is something where every drive you're like, well, what do they do next? The, the, the Chiefs kind of jumped out to that lead, and it was just catch-up. Um, I, I think there was one, one good game, quote-unquote, and that was only due to the fact that neither team could score both offenses. Yeah, I was going to say it's also a boring game. Yes, yeah, it was too. good because it was because it was close and every drive meant something, but it was it was a very cagey, boring, oh my god, field goal here, field goal there. Let's I mean let's go let's go game by game, but I, I think this was kind of a very big dud of uh playoff football. Yeah, I do agree. It was it was not a great game wise, it was not not what a wild card super wild card weekend, excuse me, provided us. Maybe if we call it Super Divisional Weekend, we would get we would get more fun. We just got to start yeah. marketing it as something else. But Jaguars, Chiefs, let's get into it. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great season if you're a Jaguars fan. I think you're very happy with that. You're happy with where Doug Peterson got them this year. You're happy that Trevor Lawrence looks like he is the guy and is going to be very legit. Um, he's still super young and he looks super young. And I still think you have – couple pieces to go but that's this that's a team that's moving in the right direction and you have to be extremely happy if you're a Jaguars fan um now with that out of the way <laughs> uh the only reason this game was close is because Patrick Mahomes got hurt um yeah. they jumped out to a big lead early Mahomes goes down with the ankle injury uh as a Chiefs guy I have them winning my bracket I have, I have a little parlay on them as well for a future they're my team I panicked. I lost my breath. I couldn't breathe. I was struggling for air uh, as he was struggling to grab his ankle or walk on that ankle. Um, but they shot him up. They gave him the good stuff. And oh, he, he must have there. been on so much painkillers. Like, uh, sorry to kind of cut you off, but they called it a high ankle sprain. Yeah, high ankle sprains, that 
Tony Pollard also had a high ankle sprain, and he did, he he still hasn't been seen. You, aren't high ankle sprains usually four to six week recoveries? Yeah, they said it. That's the problem. I mean, we, we we can get into the preview for the champ AFC Championship earlier, but I am terrified. They said it's a very good chance Mahomes has to like be in a boot all week, and he's just basically going to suit up for game day. I'm terrified of that. Um, but at the same time, it's the Chiefs' Andy Reid. Chad Henney came in and delivered a 95-yard drive when he was needed. So uh, that's my thoughts on this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't um, don't really have much else to add. It was, like you said, uh, Chad Henney came in when they needed him to, had led a great drive for a touchdown. Um, the Jags do have a lot to build off of. Doug Peterson is a phenomenal coach. You bring Calvin Ridley in. Um, they, they have a lot to look forward to. Trevor Lawrence coming into his own. But – I don't really have I don't really have much else to say. I mean, it, it just it, the game was and it is. Um, no, Chiefs are a better team. They're, they'll be playing next Sunday, and the Jaguars won't. Yeah, you want to talk about a game that was and is and was yes. not even close? I the, mean, I, the nightcap on Saturday. Oh yeah, uh, thirty-eight to seven, the Eagles beat the Giants. I mean, uh, they hit a deep uh, ball on that first drive to Devontae Smith. And I think most people were like, yep, uh, this is over. And I think I bought into the hype of, oh, the Giants are frisky. It's hard to play three a team three times in a year. They just beat the Vikings. Like, Daniel Jones looked great. Um, I bought into that kind of midweek hype this week. And I was like, well, it could be close. And I kind of forgot the fact that, like, they stumbled into the playoff. They were like nine and two. and Or not nine and two. They were like seven and two at one point. Yep. And ended up nine and six. They stumbled to get to the playoffs. They beat the team that everybody thought was a fraud, um, that they were really not that good. And, I, again, it's another team kind of like the Jaguars where you're happy as a Giants fan. I don't think there's any expectation for you to get this far. Um, you're happy of Brian Dable moving forward. Um, you're in a weird spot now because after last week, you would have said, well, Daniel Jones, yeah, we'll pay him that $30 million. We're happy that he did that this year. Um, and then he closes the season on kind of a sour note, and he was bad in this one. Um, so I guess I that's going to be a question for the Giants moving forward. Yep. Um, I'll let you kind of go a little more into the Eagles if you want. Sure. Um, the Eagles are a juggernaut. Um, game was really meant against boys. Um, they're, they, I don't know. I feel like it's just one of those where the Eagles have – kind of really bought into Jalen Hurts. You see year two of him in that system where they're not running that simplified passing attack anymore. Obviously, A.J. Brown helps um, unlock a lot of that. The offensive line is great. They run the ball with such ease, partially due to Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'll, I'll be happy to admit I was wrong on him as an NFL quarterback. I thought he was purely a fantasy guy. Um, he's proven to be a lot more than that. He's been, he's been, He's been great. I mean, the Eagles – best record in the league and it was funny because they they almost went into the playoffs as the, the least talked about team and it was it was one of those where everyone was saying oh it's three teams in the AFC and the, the 49ers are great and it's like well we are the one seed so I mean the Eagles could very easily be 16 and one if Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt so I just think it was one of those where maybe we all slept on them due to recency bias of them losing those two games when Hurts was not there um but I, I don't really know how to say um, that they're set up for a really nice matchup next week. It'll be a lot of fun, I think. 
I think we I'll, I'll I'll say it now and I'll say it again as we preview the the, the wild card or the, the title games. But I think we have the four best teams in football. I don't think this is one of those years where some team flukes their way into a conference title game and then just gets boat raced or doesn't belong. I think you do have the teams that should be there. Yeah, it's four teams. Uh, before we get into Sunday, four teams that really like I could all see all four of these teams winning the Super Bowl. To be honest, um, they all are special. Uh, they all have their stories, and they all do different things really, um, super well. Um, so with that said, let's get into kind of what I'll I'll be honest was the biggest stinker as far as there's so much expectation. Obviously, oh, yeah. the the underdog themselves lost. Um, and the Bengals kept it close, but this game was relatively over when they went 14 nothing in the first quarter, and that's the, the Bills and the Bengals. And I want to say right now, I'm going to go on a little rant here. Many people, everyone loves this Bills mafia. Everyone was like, oh, my God, the Bills are at their wagon. They won't lose. AFC is so good, and they're still the best of that. Josh Allen is so good. He has the best arm I've ever seen. Buzz Lightyear, Infinity to Beyond. He's basically the <laughs> Lord and Savior. The Bills are a wagon. They can't be beat in Orchard Park. Oh, my God, it's a snow game. The Bills, the only ones that know how to play in the snow are the Bills. No, <laughs> I called it last week on this podcast. This is why you listen to us. This is why you listen to me on this podcast right now. Joe Burrow is a winner. I snipped that out from the start. I knew the Bills were fraud, frauds. They were frauds. They had no competitive effort. It was never really in doubt for me. Josh Allen was bad again. He put a lot of catch-up ball at the end to boost some stats a little bit, but he was bad. He looked like he had never played in the snow before ever. You're the Bills quarterback. That's not an excuse. You played in that game last year against the Patriots. That was 700 feet of snow. Uh, this was nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I called the Bills. What do you got on this one? <laughs> I was – it's, it's sad that people it's sad that we stopped posting these on YouTube because I would have really loved everyone to see your mouth just start foaming mid rant like you've got rabies or something. That was really cool for everyone that couldn't see that. Just take it. Connor just started just drooling mid mid rant. It was it was beautiful. But no, you're absolutely correct. Um, I think if I remember the picks, I had the Bills to win, but the Bengals to cover. It was like four and a half points or something. I was absolutely wrong. Um. I'm glad you brought up the, the the fraud part as opposed to just saying, oh, well, they had a bad game because this is now year three in a row where they've been just out. I'm going to say outclassed because last year's game wasn't an outclassing. It was just they didn't, didn't touch the ball again. But this is year three in a row where they've come up short. And this is kind of getting to a point where I have also started to uh, I'm not going to not no labels are being thrown on, but maybe you start ringing the bells of, well, what really is Josh Allen? Um you, you look at him this year without Brian Dable there. I think he led the league in turnovers um, between interceptions and fumbles. That's usually an issue. Um, yeah, he's one of the least criticized guys in the league, and he's seen as this absolute talent. Of yeah, he's a, he's yeah, the yeah, the physical tools are there, and he's like they've had a lot of success uh, while he's been there, but they haven't been to a Super Bowl. They haven't won an AFC championship. Of course, those are two in the same. Uh, but – yeah, I mean, I think it's time to start throwing a little shade or at least being a little critical of this play in the playoffs as a play in general, I think. No, and they, they, have a, they have a loaded they have a loaded team. Now, obviously, you lose Von Miller. I understand. That's 
that's your even at this age, he's still your pass rush guy. He's still able to get home without having to blitz. It hurts. But guess what? Every team's hurt. It's right. it's 20 weeks of football. Every team's hurt. So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and use that as an excuse. I they're they're loaded. They'll be back here again. It's just at some point you got to get over the hump or at some point we got to start calling you a fraud. Um, I saw one thing that was really interesting. Um, someone was like, Josh Allen is a wannabe Cam Newton. And I thought about it and I was like, well, that can't be. And it is the recency bias. But if you look at it, Cam Newton won an MVP. Josh Allen has still not done that. And I understand this is Josh Allen's year three or four in the league or year three as a start. He's still incredibly young. I'm not, this is not damning evidence that you got to move off of. I'm just saying Cam Newton led a team to a Super Bowl. Cam Newton won an MVP. Cam Newton, Cam Newton was incredibly good. And I think that's something that I've certainly kind of forgotten about of how good he truly was. And I think it, you are starting to hit maybe the next two years where it's like, Hey Josh, like we got to do something with you or else you're just going to be one of those high paid guys wins a division you're, you're going to be Dak Prescott with a different logo um, yeah that's an wow Dak Prescott that's an interesting one to throw out there I'm not saying, yeah. I'm, I, I guess that's a, that's a bad thing I'm just gonna say you're gonna be known as a guy who can't get it done at some point yeah. you gotta win an eight you gotta play for the Super Bowl um, right and it's only gonna get harder as kind of this gauntlet of AFC quarterbacks like Burrow Mahomes uh, looks like Trevor Lawrence Looks like Trevor Lawrence will be there. Herbert's a good quarterback. Like, there's so many young big names. Oh, the um, the AFC is going to be crazy for the next decade. Yeah, it, it's going to be a gauntlet. So, uh, with that said, the Bengals. I want to give them some props. Oh, they absolutely. came out. They came out, and Joe Cool looked cool as ever. Um, the snow didn't matter. Yeah, honestly, it looked like the Bengals like wore special cleats and like the bills had tennis shoes on the way they were like playing in the snow. It felt like the bills were sliding everywhere and the Bengals were not. I don't know what that was. Maybe that was just because they were winning. So yeah, I mean, yeah, lots, but, lots of credit to the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an electric offense. Like he's got weapons. He gets the ball out quickly. They had a great game plan for missing offense alignment. It wasn't a ton of let's let Joe Burrow take five, seven drop step dropbacks and have to sit and wait for Jamar to get down the field. No, it was quick outs. There was a lot of quick one, two, three drops. Find Jamar, find T Higgins, find Tyler. Like but he's got the weapons to do it. And I, I think they're, if Mahomes is not really uh, – I don't know where I would say the percentages that I would say, but if he's not himself, I'll say as a general statement, if he's not himself on Sunday, I think the Bengals win this game. Um, I I can't disagree with that. Even if he is himself, I don't see why they can't. I mean, they went into they went into Arrowhead last year, um, won a football game. They've, they've shown they've done it. They've built an improved – team um I, th- I think one thing I certainly want to mention that you you kind of touched base on that was a coaching master class from Zach Taylor he absolutely ran circles around Sean McDermott you mentioned the offensive lineman I think they had in week like 16 they had they had their starting five that was like consistent in there and they played that they played this game four weeks later with three of those guys missing and you couldn't even tell the the the, the, the lineman they had backing them up played amazing the game plan was amazing like you said there was no hold the ball forever there was none of that and obviously that helps when you get ahead of the, the score and you right. kind of afford to do dink and dunk first down passes as opposed to maybe the home run ball that takes a little longer to develop 
but it was a beautiful game from the Bengals. It was incredibly impressive, and they've got a lot to ride on going forward. Um, I don't really have much else to say about this game. Yeah, no, let's uh, let's move into kind of the weekend cap, um, and that was the two uh, – I don't want to say blue bloods of the NFL, but blue bloods of the NFL and the 49ers and the Cowboys and what was a – uh, impressive showing of defense, if you enjoy that, for the probably tens of Americans that wanted to see a defensive showdown. You got it. Uh, two very impressive defenses. Um, and I think the only thing I'm going to say on the Cowboys is uh, the last play of the game was the epitome <laughs> of what being a Dallas Cowboys fan is in the playoffs. Even, like, they had no chance. They re- had no realistic chance of going no. down there and tying the game. But even then, just to end on this sad, pathetic play, let's have Zeke Elliott snap the ball. I was like, okay, maybe they got something cooking. Maybe Kellen Moore's got some elaborate thing he's got going on. They're going to get him for some lateral. <laughs> nope, he just gets pushed over. And that gets to dump it off to some guy that gets put into the second row. <laughs> like, what? That was one of the worst plays I've ever seen. Also, speaking of being a Dallas Cowboys fan in the playoffs, don't forget Dalton Schultz. Nonchalantly forgetting to put the second yes. foot on the ground. He forgot how to play football for about three plays in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, that was um, it was an incredibly Dallas Cowboys way to end your season. I love it. Um, I don't like the Cowboys. I've said that um months ago on this podcast. Like, I really don't like the Cowboys. I don't like seeing them win. I don't like seeing them happy. I don't like Jerry Jones's face. Um, I do think you enter an off season of well is Dak Prescott my guy. I think we can get into more off season stuff later. We'll talk about purely the game right now. But the defenses were phenomenal. I mean, you watch those guys play, you watch them run, you watch the speed, the talent, the plays that are made, and you like you look at the team like the Lions and you're like, well, we got a lot to go, boys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably had – sorry, I think you might have to say something, but you probably yeah. have the two best edge rushers in football, Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons. Um, maybe that's a reactionary take because you're watching them in the playoffs and you weren't watching Miles Garrett. But those guys are just phenomenal. They're everywhere. The way they sniff out plays, even when it's not a sack. I mean, it was the first play of the game. Micah Parsons, they, they ran – they tried to run some bubble screen. I think it was to Debo Samuel and Parsons. was like, wait a minute, I'm just going to go tackle Samuel and Brock Purdy and throw at the ground. Or he might have gotten sacked, but you you watch those guys play, you watch them run. It's it's phenomenal and it's incredibly admirable. Um, good for Brock Purdy, second playoff win in his career, maybe building some confidence, um, maybe something to take into the game against Philadelphia. But as as opposed to the game, it was boring. We said it: snooze fest, field goals, couple touchdowns, some some missed plays here and there. Uh, but I don't know. I'm actually a little worried about Brock Purdy going into the Eagles matchup. He uh he wasn't horrible again. No, no. but uh he has this innate talent for almost throwing interceptions. <laughs> Every bad throw he makes looks like it's it should be an interception and just isn't. And I guess somehow that's how good that's how like good players that need to get lucky to a certain extent. Oh yeah. Um and maybe it's the bias of the Eagles winning in dominating fashion and the 49ers not so. But even then, it's not a great argument because the Cowboys are clearly a much better team than the Giants. Um, But I think that offensive performance – I don't think the Eagles' defense is really that far, that much different than the Cowboys. 
And I do, I don't think that the Eagles are only going to score 12 on the 49ers. So I, I, you do need to see Brock Purdy take a step up uh, and elevate his game even more in an even bigger game um, than the eight he's played or seven he's played prior um, in order for them to have a legit chance. I believe Philly is a two and a half point favorite. Exactly. I think that's, I think that's about right. I think they're the favorite going into it solely because of the Brock Purdy thing. I and I, I think I would probably agree with that. Um, I, I mean, I look at it uh, like you said, the Eagles' defense is phenomenal. I think I mentioned this, uh, or to either to friends or on this podcast, but the Eagles became the first team I think in NFL history this year to have four separate players have ten or more sacks. Um, now sure. they lost. They they lost one of them to injury. Um, I, oh my god, I. His name is in my head, but I cannot put it together. Um, they lost one of them to injury, so that still leaves three guys with ten or more sacks. That's that's absurd. But yeah, they they do strike me as kind of a Cowboys junior speed on defense talent. They've got great corners: um, Slay, Bradbury, um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. If he's back healthy, I'm not sure if he is. I know he missed some time, so it'll it'll be a great game. Um, like we said, these are the two best teams in the NFC, and it probably isn't particularly close. Um, no that gap that exists between them. So good on them for kind of setting us up for maybe hopefully a very, very good and entertaining game of football. Um, if- One thing I will say uh, too, is that was kind of the first game. It felt like they, like Shanahan kind of put the, uh, puts a, put some pressure or puts a, tried to take pressure off Brock Purdy mm-hmm. and played a re- relatively conservative uh, play calling style the entire game where uh, in the past, even last, even the week before against Seattle, like it looked like they were kind of just letting him go. Like he was any other quarterback, like he was Jimmy G, like he was yeah. Trey Lance. Um, And this week, I don't know if it was because he knew that it was a much more talented defense he was facing uh, or just the stakes of the game, but it, it felt like a much more conservative. We don't trust him quite as much play call and another thing about Brock Purdy I know I'm just kind of sounding off on him right now but but man when he extends plays and like just kind of starts running in circles like like he's playing ring around the rosy he looks like he's playing the ring around the rosy game he looks like he's kind of out of control and has no idea what's going on so I am worried about that as the stakes continue to get higher I think not only do I completely agree, I think I know exactly what play you're talking about where he's, they were going. So if you're looking at the TV screen, they were going to the left. So they're going towards the left end zone. And he kind of, I think he's, I think he, he uh, bolted from the pocket, came towards the bottom of the sideline. Then he was like, wait a minute, I've I've got nothing here. You're like, throw it away, Brock, throw it away, Brock. Turns back around, runs another 10 yards back. Defense is closing in and he just threw on out of bounds. I think I know the exact play you're talking about. Yeah, he had, it was third down, too. He had pro- – right. I want to say they ended up kicking, like, a 45 – 40-ish yarder, and, like, he tried to run out like it – like, he would he would have made it a 55-yarder if he wasn't able to get rid of it. So. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That's uh, that's one of those where it's worked so far. It's like, hey – and, like, I understand it. It's the happy feet. You're young. You want to try and make a play, but it's one of those things where you have to learn to fight another down. Um. I think I saw this – I feel like I used to watch Justin Fields do this um, for Ohio State where when he was playing really well, he was composed, and then you sometimes you would have him have some bad games because he was way too focused on making a play as opposed to just saying, well, this play didn't work. Congrats to the defense for covering it or whatever it might be. I'm going to throw it away, and I'll get you the next time. Um, 
So yeah, he does need to, he needs to get that in check because he is a, an interception, a sack, maybe a strip fumble, whatever it might be. He's it's one disastrous play away from kind of derailing an entire season. So, um, do we want do we want to give a pick for? Uh, yeah, I was gonna pull up the uh, the lines here. So for in the NFC, like I said, um, the three o'clock game is uh, Philly is a two and a half point favorite of the 49ers. So uh, you mentioned our little uh, our little brackets. Uh, earlier so I've got the San Francisco 49ers winning the Super Bowl so because I have to stay true with that I'm going to go with the 49ers to win because I need I need this yeah I I go back and forth because I have them in the finals in my bracket as well doesn't really matter for this tournament or pool or whatever um but I also had a future on the 49ers at the beginning of the playoffs to win the NFC Mm -hmm. so I would like to see that come to fruition at you know, plus 550 or whatever they were. Uh, so I would really like to see that happen. But I am going to go with the Eagles, and I think the Eagles will cover the two and a half points as well. I, I just think I think they're the best all-around team, and it ends with I think the 49ers are just as well-rounded. It literally just comes to the fact that I can't believe I'm saying this. I trust Jalen Hurts more than Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you went back eight months ago, no one would believe that, but – yeah, I mean, if the Eagles are going to win it, you're probably covering two and a half points is an, an incredible nothing burger. That's one of those where you're just screaming a pick em. Um Well, you, you want to hear even more of a pick then we'll get into the AFC Championship where the Bengals are a one and a half point favorite right now um, on the road against the Chiefs. Now, oh, wow. I think that's mostly because of the – I think that line is going to change drastically over the weeks, over the week. Um, yeah, as news of Mahomes' availability right. um, come, comes along. But there's also an element to this line, I think, that the Bengals or Joe Burrow is 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. He's had his number. Oh, he yeah. doesn't seem to be phased by anything, literally anything. So why would this, another opportunity to beat him, phase them? Um, again, I have the Chiefs in my bracket winning. Uh, I also have a parlay for them to win it all. That being said, I am picking the Bengals solely because I don't think Patrick Mahomes will be healthy enough to, to really contribute to this. Yeah, so I I think I'm going to be in a similar boat. I'm going to give a pick here. If the um, if Patrick Mahomes is limited, kind of like how you saw him in the second half where he wasn't allowed, he wasn't really able to extend plays, he's hobbling around. If that's the case, I do think the Bengals um, can win. I do think Bengals will win. Um, even if he is healthy, like you just said, they, they do kind of own the Chiefs. They, they've made them their sons, and I think this is maybe um, – I'm, I'm going to say the Bengals as well, and I'm going to say this is Joe Burrow's kind of it moment where he comes out is ready for this, the best quarterback in football. Okay. I That was actually going to be my next question was, do you think he goes 4-0 and goes to the Super Bowl for the second straight year, he's the best quarterback in football? I do. Um, if, if you are 4-0 against the guy who everyone else thinks is the best and you've beaten him twice in the playoffs – both times in his own house. Um, I think, I mean, I guess. Got to win a Super Bowl, though. Yep, I was about to say there is that thing where you have to follow through with it. I mean, same thing we said about Josh Allen. You know, getting there 17 times in a row doesn't mean a thing if you don't ever win one of them. So I will reserve myself for if Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl, I think he cements himself as the best quarterback in football. Um, 
I think I think he's already kind of put himself above Josh Allen is uh, two. I think it is Mahomes and Burrow um, one two right now. Um, but yeah, yeah it'll be disagree. it'll be a it'll be a great game. We've said it numerous. I've said it numerous times now. These are the four best teams in football. I look forward to hopefully watching an exhilarating weekend of football where you're kind of glued to your TV. There is no oh well, these guys are up seventeen and it's just nothing drives where one team's killing clock, other teams throwing like crossing routes under undercover too because that's all they the, the defense wants to give them. I want to watch football. I want to watch high stakes. I don't want to listen to Tony Romo commentate one of those games, but I have to. I'll live with it. Um, yeah, yeah, do do you want to get into just like how dumb some of the stuff he says it are? Like like another Bengals Bills game where it just felt like he was just I don't know. Sometimes I think he, he thinks like because he gets the big paycheck and likes to hear himself talk that he actually thinks he's the play by play guy. And I know he has this innate ability and it's why people do like him and respect him to kind of predict plays and kind of call out coverages as he sees them. But you're not the play-by-play guy. That's not how the game is supposed to be announced. And it comes off as just, like, annoying. And when you talk that much as kind of the color commentator, I think he runs out of things to say, and that's why he kind of stops mid-sentence sometimes because he tries to talk and interject so So, yeah, uh, I I mean, I he is my least favorite Um person that I have to listen to on TV and I don't think it's particularly close so you just mentioned uh, his innate ability to kind of uh, call to predict plays because he was a QB I don't I think that's lost it's lost like that was cool three years ago four I years agree. ago when he when he first did it everyone's like whoa how do you do that and it's like whoa he called plays for, by himself for 10 years the thing that I mean I this exact moment um where I was talking about uh, where I kind of realized that like I have no interest in ever listening to him again was I think it was the Jamar chase catch, no catch in the end zone where right before they go to commercial, he's sitting there with a stupid smile. I already know he's smiling because that's just like, you know, no human voice sounds that happy about him smiling. He's like, Ooh, Jim, that looked like it was a catch. Ooh, Jim, but it also looks like it wasn't what's going to happen. And it's like, dude, Jim, stop. That, is, that made me was the most infuriating thing. And he said that verbatim. I was like, I, know. I was like, they're paying you 20 million to do that. I wanted, I, I wanted to punch my television, but I was like, wait a minute. It's not my television. My parents would be a little upset if I did. Um, it was atrocious. On the other side of that, Fox, uh, I know Tom Brady's going to walk into the A spot no matter what because of the money they're paying him. But Greg Olson does not deserve the demotion. He's actually really good at his job. I, I do like Greg Olson. Um, I, I like they're a little role. bland as a as an A A group. Like I guess I guess many would say Joe Buck and Aikman were as well. But like I they're a little bland for being Fox's A group of, of commentators, but they do I think they do do a good job. Yeah, um, I, I I definitely prefer Fox's kind of broadcast as a whole to CBS's, but hey, we live in the U.S. Only one way to watch it, so it's a I duopoly. Guess, uh, I'll be there bright and early for ice, dark and late for Tony Romo's stupid voice. Um, I don't really have much more to say this week. Um, I'm kind of uh, I know we were planning on doing some um, baseball Hall of Fame stuff, but I would probably request that we push that back week because I need to eat food. And I don't know how long places around here could be open. So, <laughs> yeah, Scott Rowland's in the Hall of Fame.
probably shouldn't be. Congrats, congratulations. Hey, the Hall of Very Good. Out. It's the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. But uh, so on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of Teeing the Ball Up. Just kidding. It's only teeing it up uh, with C&D. Uh, he's shaking his head at me. So that means I'm going to stop talking. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> I, yeah, you're outrageous, man. Um, yeah, uh, I don't really have much else to say to everyone who's made it this far. Thank you, as always. Share, as always. Um and have a good week, and I guess go 49ers.